0: Say <laughs> today, Lord, and that we can come before you again and really just hear your word. Um, Dear God, thank you for giving us hope and a future, and that we have a choice to choose you and to live out you, uh, a life full of joy and full of hope, and, um, and we know that in the future that we can be with you once again. I thank you and I praise you. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Welcome Rick up. Speak to us today. Thank you.
1: Uh, one thing I like about the people that come here, it doesn't matter what the weather is. You come here. <laughs> it could be hot. It could be not. And here you are. Welcome to worship. Thank you for the praise band and uh, warming our hearts up uh, as we uh, draw near to him. Uh, I remember that, uh, I don't know, it wasn't very many months uh, since I had begun following Christ, that somebody said, you know, there's a songbook embedded in the Bible, which was news to me. And... Well, how do you find it? And he said, well, if you just open your Bible right in the middle, you come to something called the Psalms, which for me was, you know, sort of new vocabulary. I knew about the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, Um, but really not too many other verses. And the word Psalm actually does mean a song, a song of praise. And there are 150 of those songs, so I guess it's fair to call it a songbook or a hymn book if that's your preference. Right in the beginning, right in the middle of of the Bible, is as if to say, if you get to know this God, you're gonna find yourself singing. You're gonna find your your heart singing. And I I remember once this, this good news started getting under my skin I started singing on my way home from church. And I couldn't figure out what was going wrong with me. Why was I singing these songs? Why why was I singing anyway? I'm not known in my home as a singer. But there's something that happens when your heartstrings begin to line up um, with the the pulse of God's truth. And so uh, I want to take a little journey with you over the next couple of weeks um in the book of psalms because uh, it's right there in the center of the scripture which ought to tell us that it's important important to the lord and and would be important to our journey with him Uh, but also um, i think if you have a working understanding of how this song book is put together it'll even be more meaningful to you uh, in your walk with the lord so i would invite you if you have a, a bible Open it right to the center and look at Psalm 1. Psalm 1 is actually an introduction uh, to the book of Psalms. It's just six sentences, six verses, if you will. And I'd like to just read that to you. Um, Happy, how happy, how happy is the man who does not follow the advice of the wicked or take the path of sinners or join a group of mockers. Instead, his delight... I like that word. His delight is in the Lord's instruction. And he meditates on it day and night. I have a challenge about that for us a little bit later. He's like a tree planted beside the streams of water that bears its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. The wicked are not like this. Instead, they are like the chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not survive the judgment, and sinners will not be in the community of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. Um, Let's pray together for just a minute. Lord, we believe these words are clear when they are illuminated by your Spirit. May the Spirit of Christ Fill this place, just like the wind is filling this place, Lord, uh, that we can hear you strum on our hearts these truths. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, uh, just a few. You know, I, I am a, I was, I'm a professor at a theological graduate school, so I have to sneak in a little lecture material. All right, there's very, very few sentences. Um, in the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament, uh, there are three critical pieces. One's called the, uh, the Torah, the Pentateuch, the, the first five books, and attributed to Moses, and that's where you get the law. And, you know, if you spend much time in Old Testament or, or, or around Jewish people, you hear this word Torah, Torah, not like the Japanese word tora, 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 Torah, 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 but T-O-R-A-H, Torah. And it it can be translated law or instruction. Law or instruction. Uh, But the second book is probably one you just anticipate. It's called the prophets. And there are major prophets and there are minor prophets. But the third book is called the writings. And the Psalms is right at the beginning of that section. Uh, this, This hymn book. This song book. And... There are five books within the book of Psalms. The first two are largely written. Or written in the style of King David. Who was a a singer. Um, Maybe a folk singer. Because he learned to sing to the sheep. And then in the third. um, And fourth and fifth. They're written largely by a, a guy named Asaph. And then. One that sounds like a country and western band. It's called the Sons of Korah. So they have psalms in there. There's one by Moses. And we'll look at that uh, a couple of weeks ahead. And if you read that, it's the 90th psalm. It's a favorite for Christian funerals, by the way. Um, It's almost like after Moses sang that song or wrote that song, everybody said, uh, don't ask him again. (laughs) Uh, it's, it's, <laughs> there are pieces in it, it's a kind of a downer. Uh, so, what? It's a wonderful, wonderful, uh, full of truth. Um, so this songbook is really worth knowing because um, when God puts you under his management, you end up with a song in your heart and be wonderful to have something to sing. And that's what the book of Psalms is about. And thank you for the band helping us experience that week by week. Um, Now, many of us are doing our very best to erase 2020. You know, for a lot of different reasons, some of them quite personal. Um, I lost a friend in 2020, not to the virus. Uh, She went in for um, knee replacement surgery, and about two days later, I think she probably had a pulmonary embolism and died. She was only 50. But uh, Lisa was very special to me because she actually is the person who first got me to mainland China, and she was doing mission work in Hohat, which is in Inner Mongolia, not Upper Mongolia, but Inner Mongolia within the uh, the border of China. And uh, t- to be in that city, uh, she and a colleague who was came out of a very you know significant uh, business consultation uh, company and his name was Victor and then another person named Jamie. they, They put a partnership together to start a human resources job placement company in Hohut. And that business took off quickly because the people they placed were a different kind of worker. They they brought a character to their work. Hard workers, truth speakers, they were faithful, they kept their promises, they delivered on time. And so their business began to grow and it almost took over what they were really there for, which was to help start new churches. And, you know, I, I thought about that. And I thought about this psalm that we just read. When that kind of life gets a hold of you and me. It magnifies our character. And these companies in Hohat really couldn't get that kind of character. Now, character does something to you, uh, and it does something to the field of relationships around you. Character magnifies wisdom, and there's a wisdom in worship. And the people that came through that company tend to have either had given their lives to Christ or embraced Christ and began to grow in him. And Christ always grows character. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, you know, so forth. And that's the fruit of character. Um, I think character magnifies your capacity to get work done and get it done right and get it done well. Character, I think, magnifies intelligence. I haven't, you know, set up a laboratory uh, experiment on that, but I think that's the case. Uh, so no wonder that business was so successful. And no wonder this psalm is embedded as an introduction to the uh, 149 psalms that come after this. Um, there is a wisdom to worship. I'd like us to look at that. Now, if you're, uh, it's not unusual when you read the Bible that somebody decided what this chapter should be called. You know, in my version, uh, it says the two ways. And when you read the last verse in Psalm 1, you see, oh, okay, I know what they're talking about. The way of the wicked and the way of the righteous. Two ways of living your life. And I just want you to know, those titles, they're, they're not really a part of the Bible. The editor put those in there. Now, I want to make a challenge to you. If you really would like to get to know scripture, you decide the name of that chapter. Uh, Rick Warren has a book called 12, uh, 12 Ways of Bible Study. And one of them is naming the chapter. When you name it, you can sort of speak claim it. You name it, you don't forget it. And I would really encourage you to name those chapters in your way. And then share names with, with one another and see if you like, maybe you like their name better. or Maybe they'll like yours. So name each psalm as we study these in the, in the future. Put your name on there. So two ways, you know, just draw a circle around. Maybe, maybe not. I'll decide because it's in my Bible. Okay. How happy is the man? You know, I think there's a lot to life to have joy in it, have happiness in it. And there is a way of happiness that God brings into a life. Now, there are three ways not to live a happy life. To follow the advice of the wicked take the path of sinners, or join a group of mockers. Um, Just two thoughts about this. Um, Maybe three. If, um, If I followed the path of the wicked, what would I be hearing? I think I'd be hearing things like, maybe not so much there is no God, but more like God's not looking. God's not listening. God's not caring. He's got bigger projects than you. God will overlook this. But that's not what the scripture teaches. The scripture teaches God does care how you live, God does call you to holiness. God does care if you only tell half the truth. God cares. Um, So don't follow those people. Don't follow that way. Don't take that path, that path, that pattern of life. And don't hang out with the mockers, those that make fun of people who are trying to walk the holy way, who are trying to pay attention to the scripture. You know, if, if some of my neighbors knew how much I read the Bible, they'd say, oh, he's a religious nut. Um, I can't care about that. I know what brings me happiness and what doesn't. I know what gives me wisdom and what doesn't. Why should I go back to that stuff that doesn't make me happy and doesn't help me make good choices? I found a life in Christ and, and I'm, I'm not going to go back from that. Verse 2. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction. If you're into a guy or a gal, find out what their delights are. that will tell you something about their character. What are you delight in? What do you really like? You know, when, when that comes on, you can just, or, or you taste that, or what is it that brings you delight? Look for your delights carefully. I think that um, in China, there's a saying that nobody becomes a Christian unless they've met 10 of them. They've met 10 people who take delight in the Lord. He's the thing that brings them joy in their life. And this says, his delight is in the Lord's instruction. Now, that's that Torah word. You know, their delight is in knowing the word. Now, honestly, I have been reading this book hard for 50 years. But it still is unfolding itself to me. And I take delight in that. That I'm learning. I mean, this book opens me up to the living God. And... That is not going to be quickly learned. I remember this friend of mine at church. She said one time, you know, I read the Bible. And I, I do think she'd probably read it from cover to cover. And so she was done. You know what I should have said? You, you ever have that experience? Oh, I should have said this. I should have said that. Well, what I should have said to you, has the Bible ever read you? Because you really haven't read the Bible until it starts reading you. And the book of James talks about that. When you read the scripture, you look into a mirror and it shows you what you really are. And if you, unless you attend to that, you, you forget what you saw when you turn away and close the book of scriptures. His delight is in the Lord's instruction. You know, that's why we meet in small groups. There's something incandescent that happens when you and I are sitting down with other persons who take the light in the Lord's word, the Holy Spirit. Just, just brings a witness to us and energizes us. So we want we want to do that, and it says and he meditates on it, uh, day and night. Now, if you know the original word, the original word, um, sounds like moaning. <laughs> um, and it 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 has it, it can be a melodious moan. You're just repeating something again and again. And you know when we sing these songs that we're singing, we are actually meditating, out loud. With song, we meditate on it day and night. Okay, here's my challenge. Would you be willing to make of yourself just an experiment for a couple of weeks? You know, kind of a short experiment. I want to challenge you to read a psalm in the morning. Just read it slowly, you know, carefully. And a psalm at night before you go to sleep. Two psalms a day. One in the morning, one in the night for 14 days. And then tell me what happened. All right? So on the 28th, we just had a bunch of announcements about the 28th. You know, I'll be here. You'll be here. I'd love to hear what would happen if you and I would practice this verse. Take delight in the Lord. We know we're taking delight in the Torah because we're reading a psalm in the morning. We're reading a psalm at night. Check and see what happens to you if you will do that. He, this is what it, how it describes it. He's like a tree planted beside the streams of water. Now, if you do much traveling, uh, especially out in the country, you know, there's a lot of wide open spaces in the U.S. Um, You can always spot where a river is because there'll be trees on both sides. There'll be green stuff, you know, on both sides. Um, And even if I can't see the water because I see the trees, I know there'll be water there. I remember one time in Portland, Oregon, I don't know why I wanted it, but I just wanted one of those rain sticks. You know those things that when you turn it this way, all these little pebbles inside go down and that's supposed to sound like rain hitting water. And uh, unfortunately, when I was shopping for my rain stick, there was a woman in there with her uh, son who was autistic. And I think I was driving him crazy because I kept checking my rain sticks, you know. And finally she came over and said, could you stop doing that? (laughs) And and so I I was embarrassed. And I said, yeah, no problem, no problem. Um, But apparently the rain stick was developed by hunters, uh, Native American hunters, who uh, would call deer to them or elk to them uh, with these rain sticks because uh, that was the sound uh, of the streams uh, that would call them out. And so scripture says that you and I, our lives, our lives will take on uh, the look of being by a river um, as we begin to delight in his word and read in his word. It says, bears its fruit in season and whose life does not wither. Um, Did you ever meet somebody who had no game? You know what I mean? They just had no game. Um, The person who delights in the word and meditates, you're going to have game. People are going to be attracted to you because they know there will be water there somewhere. Where are you going to get what you've got so that you keep bearing fruit? You keep being somebody that I hang around. There's going to be something tasty involved for my life. Um, Bearing fruit. How's, how's your fruit? <laughs> um, are you bearing fruit? Is your life fruitful? Is it productive? Do people like to come up to you because they see the oranges or the pears or the apples? They see those bright colors in your life and you have something to share with them. Be fruitful. And then, it, then there's this, this thing. Now, I'm, a, I'm an ordained preacher. Preacher. I have a license to exaggerate. You know what I mean. <laughs> and uh, so, this this verse: whatever he does, prospers. <laughs> now, that's a preacher kind of thing to say. Sounds like an overpromise. It's not. Whatever he does, prospers. Um, You know, I wish you could look into my life and see the prosperity that's there. That there's no reason except this reason. Um, and this is reiterated several places in Scripture. You know, in Matthew six thirty-three, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Don't go for the lower shelf, go for the upper shelf. Seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will get added to you. God will look after you. God will take care of you. Now, I'm not trying to preach something they call the health and wealth gospel. Because if God gives you wealth, he gives it to you so that you can give to others. It's not for me. You know, God, God will give us what we need and more than what we need so we can supply every good work. Um. His goal is not to make me wealthy. His goal is to make me a channel for his grace and his wealth. So his work can get done. And I have the blessing of helping to channel that. You know, that's why this church gave $21,000. You know, when you first announced that, um, you know, I don't know if it was Mark or, or who, who announced it. The goal here is for $18,000 Christmas giving above and beyond your tithe. I thought, I don't think they could do that. And you just knocked the gold down. Where'd that come from? He likes to make us prosper as we abide in his word and trust in his Christ. Um, So, the wicked are not like this. Instead, they're like the chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not survive the judgment and sinners will not be in the community of the righteous. Now, if you could scroll back to last week when we talked about listening for the last trumpet, you know, God is headed for something. God is up to something on this, in this universe, much less this planet. And his kingdom is coming. And that last trumpet is going to sound. And God is not going to strive forever with the wicked. You know, God's will is not done on earth as it is in heaven. Despite what we pray in the Lord's Prayer, we're saying we want to head to that, but it's not being done yet. There's so much deception, so much lying, so much murdering, you know, so much bad news, so to speak. Um, it, the kingdom has not come yet, but it's coming. And when it comes, there will be a separation. The wicked will be separated out. You know, there, you know, some people they don't like this book. This book bothers them Uh, they don't like the idea of an eternal conscious hell I don't blame them it's it's an awful idea but it's a true idea you know one of the biggest problems we have on the planet right now is what to do with toxic waste I mean radioactive waste waste that's going to be you know poisonous for 500,000 years you know that's eternity as far as a human life is concerned where are you going to put that well somebody proposed that we put it on the moon well that's really going to work good You know, what if it explodes before it leaves the atmosphere? Then we're all goners. Uh, So that idea was trashed. Well, maybe if we bury it, well, then the water table gets down there and it spreads out. So we have a big problem with toxic cleanup. Um, What are we going to do with that? Well, you know, when God makes a human being, he makes them in his image. He gives them a gift, an eternal gift of life. Well, what is God going to do with that if people will not repent and won't turn to him? Well, God has a containment place and that's what that's about. And so there will be that. But also there will be a community of the righteous. There will be a new Jerusalem that comes down to earth. And it's called Emmanuel, God with us. So that's, that framework is laid out in the book of Psalms and sung over from the beginning to the end. And from this Psalm, it lays it out. And so, if God is speaking to your heart, what He's going to want to do is give you this worldview. Now, I'll tell you what. There's a problem with God's worldview. Um, and I'll explain it this way. Well, two ways, real quick. Um, recently, my wife and I were looking for a house down in Orange County to, to, frankly, to move near our granddaughter, and we found this cool house. Had a great view. Had a swimming pool, um, had a lot of things working for it, but one thing it had wrong was the 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 front window it It was small you know it was you know this is a pretty good screen, but you know if that was your front window, something's wrong. If you buy that house you're going to have to get a bigger window. Don't you think I don't want a tiny window like that um, around the year. 1900. There was a, a fair in Chicago, and I, I don't know why it happened, but this man was invited to paint a picture of the last days, a, a kind of a doctrinal representation of eschatology, the last of Christ coming back, of the judgment, of um, uh, you know the place of eternal punishment that the devil put down and. Um, the New Jerusalem. So it was, it was punishment and reward, all of that, and they had to get a building to hold this painting. It was that big. Um, it was, you know, I, I'm just guesstimating. It, it had to be fifty feet long, but it was probably longer than that. Well, after the World's Fair was, it was, it was amazing. After the World's Fair was over. Um, what are you going to do with that painting? They couldn't put it up because nobody had space for it. Now, you know that there's some very famous paintings that have been cut down to fit where they had to put it. But nobody wanted to cut this painting. You know, which, What are you going to cut out? You're going to cut out some of the, the greatest ideas you know, in the West ever out of Scripture. And so they rolled it up and put it into storage. Well, um, the guys that developed um, Forest Lawn, they were a couple of uh, deacons, leaders in a church like this one. They found out about it and they bought it, shifted from Chicago to L.A. and built a building so you can go see it. And see, that's what happens to us When we embrace this worldview, all of a sudden we realize we built our life with a very small picture window. You know, a worldview like this, and all of a sudden now we're having to incorporate the living God, where there is a reward in righteousness in Christ, and there is a place of punishment. All of that is a new worldview, a new picture window on life. And Jesus comes in as a carpenter and begins to retool our way of thinking so that we can accommodate the truths that are in scripture that go off our screen, so to speak. Um, And it says, the wicked will not survive the judgment. Sinners will not be in the community of the righteous. And then verse six, the Lord watches over the way of the righteous. Now, is anybody here a Star Trek expert? Ah, oh, this is a younger crew. Star Wars. Okay, all right, there we go, okay. Um, one of the leading characters, even now in the, in the new series, is Yoda. You know, most of us know Yoda. Did you know when you say Yoda, you're saying a Hebrew word? It's the verb to know. And that's the word that she's right here. The Lord yodas over the righteous. Now, this kind of knowing is um, not objective, not merely objective knowledge. And it's better than just subjective knowledge. God knows because he loves you, he cares, he knows the ins and the outs, the ups and the downs um, of your life. God knows the way of the righteous, and what happens in that knowing is that we know we're on His way. Do you remember when, uh, I think we talked about this last week, um, in John chapter fourteen, uh, Jesus is telling them what to be, how to get ready for that last trumpet, and uh, Thomas is the one who says, "Lord, we don't know where you're going." And then Jesus says, "I am the way." He's using this same word out of here. I am the way, the truth, and the life. When we start going the way Jesus goes, we want to get on his way. We want to do things his way and his timing. That's the Yoda word. God knows the way of the righteous. God knows you, he loves you, he wants to be with you forever. And he wants you to be of service in his kingdom. He's got work for you. He's got work for me. He's got a calling on my life. He's got a calling on yours. He has a right to it. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to perishing, leads to ruin. Um, Let me draw out some conclusions here, and then I want to end with a little quick story. So, As this psalm rolls out, something that is good old wisdom, you choose your conscience when you choose your company. The people you hang out with tend to be your conscience. And so right at the beginning, it says don't hang out with the people who are up to no good. Don't hang out with the people who are aiming low. Don't hang out with the, you know, the transgressors. And you can hang out with people by just what you watch on television, what you listen to. Um, Choose the right conscience by choosing the right company. In uh, 1 Timothy 1.19, it warns us don't wreck your life, don't wreck your life by neglecting faith or a clear conscience. If you're reading the Word, you know, if you're reading your psalm in the morning, psalm in the night, you are building your faith because faith comes from hearing the word of God. That will build your faith up. It'll put some muscles on your commitment and your conscience. Don't neglect it. Don't deafen it. Don't misdirect it. And then, I, I'm not sure you agree with this, but I hope you do. Delight drives your destiny. What you delight in drives your destiny. Delight yourself. Delight yourself in the law of the Lord. And he'll direct your path. Overcome the world by delighting daily in the word. The word does the work. Be in it. Meditation matters. You know, dwell on it, mumble on it, moan on it. So book in your day. Start it, end it with the word. And remember, there's a a neat scripture that says, you know, there were some donuts floating around here early today, and then, then these guys got here and they disappeared. Um, the locusts. <laughs> um, the, um, God serves fresh mercies every day. There might be day-old donuts, but there's never day-old mercy with the Lord. And those that follow him closely go from strength to strength because he makes sure it's there when they need it. The Lord prepares the way of those right with him. And even when things are going wrong, I don't have to worry because he's looking after my way. He's going to take care of it. So each day I should do that sailor thing. Am I steering down his way? Am I staying on the road? Or am I drifting? Are you drifting today? Or are you sinking today? Get back on the path. Let the spirit sort of fill your sail. Um, Train wrecks have always been big news. And 150 years ago, they were big news when trains first started rolling. Um... In England, um, in Northern England, there was a there was a train wreck. That a train went off a bridge that was had been lifted up to let a ship through. And this was in the, it was in the night, but they had made plans for that because they had safety workers who would go out at the track when the when it was not safe to cross the river, and they would, you know take their lamp and, and be a sufficient distance from the bridge that the train could actually stop in time. you know. So they didn't have any wrecks like that, but they had a wreck that night. This train plunged over, loss of stock and life. <clears throat> so there was a trial, there was an inquiry. And all the details, was it the the engineer's fault? Was it the safety officer's fault? And the attorney... Uh, for the train company, the attorney for the safety officer, they proved that he had been on time, he had witnesses that he was there, he had his lamp, and he did go to the track and wave it, and the train just went on by as if he wasn't there. And so he was exonerated, he was acquitted. And there was something important that did not come out at the, the trial. You know, we, we say everything's going to come out in the trial. It doesn't always. What didn't come out was, yes, he was there. He saw the train coming. He knew the bridge was out. And he was swinging his lamp. But what didn't come out was his lamp was not lit. He had failed to have sufficient oil in it. And it went out. But he kept waving it, even though it was out. Um, Did you ever feel like that? You're out there waving, but you're not lit. You have no light. Um, This psalm is saying to us, if our delight is in the Lord, we will never live without light. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. I am the light of the world. You are made to live with that light. You're here today, and um, you're waving. You're working. You're doing things. But you know in your heart of heart, in in the center of your life, there's darkness. and You're not lit. Why don't you give your life to Christ this morning? Ask him to light you up, to forgive you, put that light within so that the life that you'll live until you meet him face to face will be a light that saves lives. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for the chance to worship together, to sing together, to pray, to look into your word and take the light. Lord Jesus, if there's Uh, A person you've been speaking to here today, whether it's online uh, or in person, and you and that person have had conversation and they realize it's time to surrender to you, to let you light them up, to become that source of incandescence within their soul, to bring forgiveness, to bring meaning, to bring hope, to bring truth. Lord, may they cry out to you now, trusting and knowing that you keep your promise to bring forgiveness. Bless us, Lord. For your your name we pray. Amen.
2: Thanks, Rick. We're going to take some time, uh, as always, to do a little bit of reflecting, a little bit of meditating. Um, and I encourage you to think about how often you think about the word of God does it delight does it bring you delight does it bring you joy or are you finding your delight somewhere else um, so take some time to do that uh, if you're so inclined uh, you can fill out your connection card online and let us know how you're doing um, how we can pray for you
3: of the searching heart, this Jesus, how precious, mender of a million shattered parts, this Jesus.
2: by your beauty and your wonder day by day the beauty of your word and the fact that we get to connect with you on a daily basis Lord give us that delight, give us that joy in knowing you reading your word and hearing your voice may this song that we just sang be a truth that resonates in our hearts Delight light. All our hope is in you. So we love you, Jesus.
3: Oh, Lord, you're my share. Surely goodness, love, and mercy will follow. The